0: The Production Expert Podcast with Mike Thornton, James Ivy, and Eli Kranzberg. Welcome to the Production Expert Podcast number four forty two. It's October the nineteenth, twenty twenty. I'm Mike Thornton. I'm James Ivy, and I'm Eli Kranzberg. Okay, we've got some great deals from our friends at Wave, Synchro Arts, Universal Audio, RSPE, Editors' Keys and Avid all on our deals page, so do check those out if you're interested in saving a bit of cash. Okay, let's get straight on to the talking points, and these are sponsored by Arturia
1: Hello experts and listeners, Pro Tools Expert Talking Points is brought to you with the support of Arturia.
2: Arturia has a wide selection of software effects, including three compressors, three filters, three preamps and three delays you'll actually use. The latest release, three delays you'll actually use, includes tape delay, 201, Delay Memory Brigade, and the unique and experimental Delay Eternity. A bundle of selected effects called the AudioFuse Creative Suite is included with all AudioFuse audio interfaces. Follow the link in the podcast article or visit Arturia.com to find out more on the effects you'll actually use. Okay, now today we're going
0: to talk about control surfaces, but not control surfaces in general, but ones more specifically targeted at uh plugins so we you remember there was the uh the behringer units the bcr 2000 bcr 2000
1: yeah um, um <laughs> it was four rows of eight encoders and two rows of eight buttons and you know sort of the, the programming type stuff um had the potential for being a really useful thing. But, of course, with all these things, as I'm sure we'll go on to, it's the mapping that lets them down, in in my opinion. Just putting it out there to sail off into the wind. (laughs) Certainly in the Pro
0: Tools world. Um, Then Mackie came out with something quite similar. Um, And the reason we sort of popped into this subject area today is the recent uh, announcement of... um, a unit from mp midi limited which in essence is i suppose a touch screen or certainly a screen so if you imagine a screen flat on your table with various rotary encoders round the edge uh, we'll put a link to the article where we were uh, where we've profiled this uh, so if, you're, if it's something you're not aware of you can take a look um because they've really realized that as they say in their in their blurb, there's a big gap in the way we control software plugins in a DAW, um, and that's a challenge. And the other challenge, which James has already uh, intimated, is some DAWs do make it easier than others. I think we'll say at this point. Um, <laughs> that's being very diplomatic, <laughs> but but also to be fair, it's not really. It's also just not necessarily down to the DAW uh, support. It also has to do with how the developers have written their code, as in the lookup tables. Um, and and I, I spotted this, in fact, on the uh, Pro Tools video for this MP MIDI, MIDI controller, because they've done a series of videos showing it in operation on different uh, DAWs, and the very first one highlighted the problem because the controls didn't have nice names like EQ, you know, frequency, you know, boost, cut, you know, names we would expect. It was just a load of blurb, you know, random characters. And um, if if you've ever used some of some of the other devices, even some of the formal Pro Tools approved devices. Uh, you'll know exactly what I mean, um, but again, I think we'll uh, we'll come back to that. So, uh, looking at the Logic world, Eli, mm-hmm. um, how does this and other solutions uh, work in terms of plug-in control
2: for uh, for Logic users? You know, Logic's no different than other DAWs in that there's so many different formats. Compatibility is always an issue for one reason or another. Um, you know, for logic with, with, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Some of these third-party devices have scripts that, you know, match up nicely with logic and others are require a little more user programmability. Um, this new device that that we're hearing about in the last couple of weeks looks interesting. It looks kind of like a cross between a slate control, you know, which, with that, you know, sort of the screen, although I don't think it's a touch surface, but the idea that everything is represented on the screen there, um, you know, and not just one or two lines of an LED, but, but you know, a nice big display of the plug-in. And then, of course, rotary encoders. But um, in terms of the logic world, like, yeah, for example, it doesn't support the um, the console, you know, the soft tube console control surface directly the way other apps do. Um, I think it's hit and miss. It depends on on which, you know, which which devices and some are supported better than others, like I think most DAWs, you know, is the case with most DAWs.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I mean certainly we have a huge challenge in Pro Tools uh, because there is, you know, some devices have some form of MIDI learn. So presumably, in Logic, you have that where you can waggle the knob and the plugin, you can basically assign the plugin to to that control. Is that you something know, that happens? You, in- you,
2: you s- you sort of kind of do but it's co- it's actually one of the anachronistic parts of logic that I personally really dislike I find it overly complex the whole management of MIDI controller assignments it could be a lot more elegant and I think needs updating it's kind of still built on on the the format and GUI of the 90s you know in the 90s when they were when they were into sound diver and they these these apps for controlling external MIDI synthesizers you know they had sort of a software that, in, that allowed you to use it to control external MIDI keyboards and synths in those days and it's it's all sort of built on that paradigm still, and I find it a little bit overly cumbersome. So, yes, it has it, but, you know, it's not great. Yeah, I, and, I mean, certainly,
0: just as I alluded to earlier on, um, when I had a, uh, an Avid Pro Tools dock uh, on loan for an extended period, it was quite interesting because the the dock uh, in the sort of wings that uh, support the iPad um, you've got the ability to effectively uh, use those uh, four rotary encoders on each side from memory um, to control your plugin. and obviously you, know, you assign that from the from the free Pro Tools control app. And then you've got actual real knobs that you can. Twiddle rather than having to use the mouse, or if the plugin is appropriately uh, controllable, uh, use even or perhaps using the scroll wheel on, on your mouse. But again, I found that different plugins uh, had better or not so good support, shall we say? And again, yeah. it comes back to this issue of lookup tables: how the control is actually described in the software. Um, and so, uh, as I alluded with regard to this M, m- mp midi controller some uh plugins do it better than others so you get the proper label for the control you know frequency band 6q you know what something that we n- understand and others it was just some random code and it made it very difficult you effectively had to twiddle the knob to find out which thing it was going to control which yeah which just, the, it's object. Got the,
2: bottom, the bottom line is it's got to be quicker or or as easy as using a mouse other, you know, I'm unapologetically a mouse guy. I, I just, I grew up, you know, with a mouse and, you know, I have a Mackie control surface and I've never really got on with it. And it technically has plug-in control, but till you scroll through the menus and call up the right screen and flip the, this and that and, and get to it. Like I could have made 10 adjustments with the mouse already. So it's got to really be elegant to get to it quickly. I think. Yeah. You know. The funny thing
1: is, I think, Mike, you and I
2: both had
1: what was referred to as a Euphonics MC control. Yes. And then became the Avid... Control. Control. Yeah. And I remember the first time I w- when when Avid first acquired Euphonics, um, the, I was working with Avid as part of the demo team, sort of trade shows and events and stuff. And we... Ha- you know, we we had our new colleague from euphonics, yay, came to do some training with us on all the Eufon- on all the euphonics controllers and um, and I went, This is brilliant. And then you start getting into it and you have to um, they had was it eight buttons, four buttons, four knobs down the side of each side of the screen? Wasn't there? Yeah, on, that's on
0: the dock, but but the no, but this, oh, is, this see, is actually yeah. on,
1: on the on the Euphonics on yes. the MC control. Sorry,
0: yes, I'm with you now.
1: Yes, absolutely. Four, four knobs down either side, yeah. and I remember the, the the biggest problem is knowing what those are assigned to right. from yeah. the very small. I mean, almost microscopically small text that was above them on the on the screen on the representation of the screen and then there being no logical way to how they would be how they'd be arranged how they'd be grouped in my world you'd have uh, say say you were looking at eq3 for example i would want to see the frequency the q and then the cut and boost yeah for yep. each one. But what they would do is they wouldn't blank out the bottom one and say no you've got your three parameters for that that band. What they would do is go um, and again this is me- memory serves me correctly I'm sh- I seem to remember you'd have frequency q cut and boost or gain let's call it. Then on the fourth fourth encoder down you'd have frequency for the next band. Then you'd jump over to the other side of the screen, then you'd have q and it would just be a complete and then, yeah, and yeah. then how,
0: you'd have a load of pages, and so suddenly yeah, you'd yeah. have to be to work on one band of the EQ in, in this example, yeah, you'd you be split multiple across pages,
1: multiple yeah. pages. Yeah. 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 And it was just just a mess. And I think that's the problem that all these one size fits all plug-in controllers are having. Even, yeah. even things like the S6, I still don't find it a hundred percent intuitive how they arrange things well because it's down
0: to how the plug-in manufacturer did those look up tables
1: it's it's not intuitive it's 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 really it's frustratingly
2: challenging you know something that should be so it's so straightforward and so intuitive it's a real challenge so it's the same thing. I remember with Auto Map. You know, I have a Novation keyboard, and oh. it's the same idea. You know, it's good in theory, but this idea—you got eight knobs or or sliders or knobs—and yeah, exactly, it maps them out. You know, three or four across relating to one band, then one or two to another. Then you got to jump pages, and it's all over the place. And you know, the problem with all these, I think, is. If you're doing one thing all the time, you can learn it and get used to it. Let's say you're, you know, you're a mixer and you're sitting, and you're spending six hours a day mixing and you're working with, you know, a dozen regular plugins, you can get used to it. But, you know, I think most of us do a bunch of different things and it might be a week till I come back to, you know, something I used a week prior in, in the same situation. It, it's, it's hard to, to get all this under your fingertips when it's, you know, not obvious like that. And I think let's get political just for a minute. Um, The the
1: number of people in the music industry who are just doing one thing
0: exactly, diminishing diminishing rapidly. Do you see
1: how I'm how I'm skirting around this one? Carefully, boys and girls. Um, uh, See, I I don't think there are that many people now in the the music industry who do just one thing. I think we're all. Jack of all trades, hopefully mm. masters of Quite one a few or two. Of them.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah no. So I mean, you watch these videos with you know Chris Lord-Alge sitting behind his big console, he's spending six hours a day doing it, and sure, he's got all his workflows you know right at his fingertips. But yeah, one you uh, all of the rest of us, one day we're tracking vocals, worrying about punching in and pre-roll and and monitoring. The next day we're mixing something. The next day we're editing dialogue. The next day we're cleaning up audio. I mean, it's all kinds of different tasks. That well, welcome to my all world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But
0: all James, of worlds, yeah. but James, <laughs> yeah. you you've got us. We, we 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 talked about the slate uh surface and of course you've got one of Raven. those yeah um do, have you do you uh, use that for plug control
1: no not at all i, I totally don't I, I i'm i'm with eli i'm a mouse captain i really
2: am. i'm well, terrible i, mean, I don't want to be <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, you know i, I just like it's just it's so much easier if, if, to be honest it, again
1: it depends on what I'm doing it entirely depends on my workflow um we we haven't mentioned the ultimate plugin controller yet and to me the ultimate plugin controller is um uh, softube console 1 cuz it control I know it, it is a daw controller as well but primarily it's a controller for whichever con- uh, softube Channel strip plugin you want to use across your console. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. Um but sorry, getting back to um all things Raven. No, I don't. I, I totally don't because to me, we've all we've all seen the very impressive rapid workflow videos, the promos that Slate have produced. And I've never been able to work that fast, honestly. Really?
2: I'm slate. curious, how are you using your Slate Raven? I really am legitimately interested. It's <laughs> so can't tell you. Uh, okay i I
1: can i can i so i have two pro tool systems running in the studio i have the my main pc based system which uh is running with my console and to be honest why why have plugins when i have when i have analog gear well yeah that's a whole nother debate i know um but primarily i'm using my slate raven as a touchscreen editing controller
2: for, video. for editing, actually editing audio waveforms.
1: No, editing, editing video. I hardly oh, use okay. it for audio. Okay. I could, because you can have um, multicam running yeah. on it. I actually use it as a, as a touch editor. And bear in mind, I'm not using any of the Slate plugin overlays for this, because obviously it's the overlays that make the screen multi-touch. Yeah. And by, by overlays, I don't mean a physical thing. I mean a software thing that. Um, the the Ravens the Raven software effectively. I am using my Slate Raven with Funnel Cut Pro and Um Adobe Premiere hmm. for multicam editing. So I can see all nine cameras. Because effectively the ha- vision
0: mixing on the yeah. fly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's ace for that. Yeah, really I mean I cool. can
0: well imagine that's being incredibly intuitive. I want that picture now, <laughs> tap.
1: Yeah, that's ex- and and that's how I use it. So no. When I say I can't say, it's not because I'm doing something covert or 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 naughty with it. I'm just not doing audio with it.
2: Okay, <laughs> Fair
1: enough. Getting back to that particular article, the um, the MP MIDI, it reminded me of something I saw. Back at NAM about oh bless NAM. Oh yeah, where somebody
0: just plonked something down on a touchscreen. Yeah, screen
1: and Yeah, it- they're called tuner knobs. Hmm. Yes. Um and I think they're about 30 quid, 30 bucks for for eight, I think. And I, at the time I thought that's quite a lot for a stick-on suction cup thing. And I I wish I'd bought some there and then, because I haven't seen them since, but they do still exist. Um I Googled it. But that's what it reminded me of. Get yourself an iPad Pro. Or, or an iPad, or, or even your phone. Stick some of these things on, and there you go. You've got you've got control of your touchscreen. Mm-hmm. I, I bet they work on Raven as well. I bet they'd work on um, mm. POTS on the Raven. Of course, yeah. you, you need to make sure that the, all the plug-in windows are in the right place. But with something like a, an iPad, either controlling a soft synth or controlling a plug-in, that's always going to take up the full-screen real estate of your iPad. These mm-hmm. things would be perfect. How, how many knobs. of
2: them can you fit on, you know, an, uh, even an iPad Pro? Can you fit well, on? they've got,
1: I reckon the iPad they've got running here, they've got six very yeah. close together, and they're not even taking up a quarter of the screen. Mm-hmm. Not even close. But so you've reckon-
2: still, you still got to deal with them scrolling through, you know, that's only controlling six things. On an Absolutely, instrument. yeah. That's, that's it is. It's, it's, you could probably have, if you were using just one virtual
1: instrument, say, like, I don't know, um some sort of heavy lifting synth on your iPad. And a lot of people do now use um, iPads for music creation in association yeah. with their door or whatever. Um, I bet you could have sort of seven or eight of these on on, on the screen at the same time mm. and work really intuitively and really quickly and just sort of dial, dial your sounds in, store it. Of course, you've then got to take them all off to use the next app. But, you know, it, it's 30 quid, as mm. opposed to, I don't know how much the um, M... MIDI MP MIDI is
2: uh, I think it's six fifty US is the Kickstarter price yeah you know getting getting into, into the subject of inexpensive alternatives you know there's something like the Korg Nano Control um, and that's kind of interesting you know they're about a hundred dollars or so and the it, it, thing is though it's all MIDI CC learning that's required and that's fine but for me in Logic and I'm sure it's the same in most DAWs, you know, you map it to, to a plugin or whatever, but then it's different for another plugin. Again, the lab, there's no labelling, there's no names. And what if you open another session and call it up? Is it saved? You know, you got to save a special, um, something in the library, a preset in Logic in order for it to retain the mapping that you've assigned. Like, it's it just, it, it's complicated. To, you, you've got to sort of change your mindset of how you think about using these things. It's painful, isn't it, really? Yeah, it really is when you can points. just grab the mouse, you know? It's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) You know, one of the things about this new MP MIDI thing, that that little question mark that goes off in my mind is that, you know, uh, you wonder how is it going to work with so many different brands of plugins? And the answer is that it it wraps it in like a wrapper. And that's the way that AutoMap with Novation worked. It, It created a wrapped version of each plugin that was you know, that worked with AutoMap. Now, the problem with that, and this is especially for us in the industry, with whenever you're updating plugins or installing new ones, it's a real pain in the ass. You know, and we're always, I don't know about you guys, but I mean every two, three days there's new updates of something or other to install. Um, so every time you're updating your plugins, you know, you got to re- wrap it or rerun this this uh, at least with the novation workflow you know you have to sort of re-scan and you know the, this uh, the wrapper thing for part of automap so that was another step to go through when you're updating plugins All well, this you know just makes it more more pain thing. points yeah.
0: no i mean i, I mean I, i've always it's you know in terms of you know, mouse control. I am absolutely a mouse person when it comes to Pro Tools, but that's because when I start, yeah, you know, back in the day, we'll mm. take a drink. Um, yes, indeed. <laughs> um, there were no controllers. The only way you could talk to Pro Tools and do anything with all the stuff that we now routinely use controllers for was use the mouse. And so my muscle memory and my whole sort of mode of operation is now hardwired if you like, for using a mouse. I mean I've tried umpteen controllers. You James, you referred to the to the MC controller. I tried that, I've tried uh command eight, I tried a whole raft of different controllers. And at the end, I just pushed them to one side because yeah. I, I I my speed of operation using the mouse. Now obviously, yeah, I I can hear people sort of saying, yeah, but you can't do more than one thing at a time. Yes, I know that. But the speed at which I can work, yeah. I find, compensates for that fact that I can only change one thing at a time with a mouse. I'm totally
1: with you. Yeah, I, yeah. The only... It's funny. I mean, and this is not just um, plug-in controllers, but actually DAW controllers full stop. I recently had spent some time with an Avid S6. Now totally out of my comfort zone so a friend of mine sat down with me and said right here you go this is this is the idiot's guide to the s6 and you know what i finally finally understood what the s6 and the s4 are for yeah they're not for music they're for post they're for huge Mm. enormous post workflows
0: because they Where... give you that, that console experience. I mean, again, what often when this subject comes around, they say, you know, when I'm doing live sound, for instance... I want a full console. I want a knob for everything. I don't want one of these digital assignable right. desks where you've got a, a channel strip because by the time I've selected the channel strip and
1: got oh, it's too late. So moments passed. Yeah, yeah. And so or you're yeah. trying to track tr- track down that monitor where the feedback is, yeah. and you're like, oh, forget it. I'm it's p- too late. Pull. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's
0: gone. <laughs> so, so this it's not that I can't mix with you know a real surface, as it? Were, you know, or, or, or a real desk. It's the when I'm in front of Pro Tools, that's my sort of, you know, my hard wiring kicks in and use the mouse. But but the I was thinking exactly that with regard to the S6, that that gives you the large format console experience, but it's a controller. So, yes. again, as long as the mapping is done well, all those twiddly knobs above the faders, all of which have electronic scribble strips, so they change their identity as you move around and the plugins you select, as long as the mapping's done correct, then it becomes the, the same intuitive, You get, all right, you get the same intuitiveness that you get but, when you're using a large format console.
2: But now, we get, we'll, now, we get back to the question of, you know, we're all doing many different things. That's great if you're sitting in front of a, a mixing board and all you're doing is pushing up volumes, adjusting pans, dialing in sends, that kind of thing, but... That's just such a small subset of what we spend our time doing. No, very good point. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But I mean, it was the first time.
1: I've I've always gone. Do you know, I I'm quicker on Pro Tools with a mouse. I yeah. just am. Yeah. Than, than having a than having a control surface that I don't really know. Um, which I kind of makes sense, but. I was so impressed when I went, ah, I get it. I can get that. I can navigate around this enormous session and I can be in command of the session rather than the session being in command of me. And there is nothing worse than being in, in a situation where the mix is getting away from you. Yeah, And I, that could be live. It could be uh, in a film mix or an audio mix but there yeah. is nothing worse than that, that lack of control of a session and I'm yeah. sure we've all been there
0: yeah no absolutely and and that very much comes with a post because you have a whole raft of tracks um, uh, you know because of the nature of the thing but not necessarily all of those tracks are playing all at once um, yeah. so you may have eight uh, Foley tracks but three or four of them are in use on that particular scene maybe another scene further down the the drama there's maybe seven or eight foley tracks, um, but what it means is if you're scrolling around a session in uh, with a mouse, you've got a lot of scrolling to do to get chow, from chow, 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 you chow, know the dialogue yeah, yeah. down <laughs> to the foley down you know two hundred tracks further down the the project, and yeah, once you start using VCA spills, so that you can actually literally just break out a certain segment of that project so the foley the eight foley tracks because you spill out the foley vca it you're getting to the straight to the bit of the of
2: the project the bit of the session that you actually need to work on you know where these control surfaces shine is, like you say, you're working in a big mix. You're, you're mixing a big session. It's great. You bank through the channels. You have it right in front of you with a few taps of a button. You're there. You control your sends, your, your, your balances, your mutes, your, your, um, your, your panning, whatever it is. They're great. Where they fall down is, and this is, I think, a very common situation that I was in last week, for example. I'm sitting and I have a big instance of Falcon on my screen in front of me. And all I need to do is—is—is—is—I'm is, is, working on creating sounds in Falcon. How is a control surface, any kind of modern control surface, going to help me there? You know, <laughs> it's, it's probably not. You're going to end up diving for the mouse again. Aren't you? No, yeah. I, I know, but I, so like what you're describing, Mike, is true. But that's if you're, you know, a post-production mixer working on a hundred tracks, yeah. you know. And it, but that's such a small subset, I think, of what so many of us need and and do. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. So, but I- that is their strength, you know. When it's emulating this old school big analog console workflow, I think control surfaces from relatively early on in this you know digital revolution, they've kind of gotten it together. You know, the Mackie control is 20 years old. Uh, yeah, it's about 20 years old, and you know you can bank through your channels and, and and the and the LED updates, just you know showing you okay, it's only a few characters, but but it it does that well, and it's great for navigating big mixes for mixing big sessions, but you know. That's just part of it of, of our lives. Yeah, but
0: I th- and it's interesting. But coming back to you know small format uh, control surfaces, I do think that the Avid S One, with its uh, with the revised uh, Avid control surface um, on the iPad, is is a, an incredibly valuable uh, use of desktop real estate and i'm what i mean is yeah. the desk that i'm sat in front of the the wooden thing that yes, i'm sat yes. at not the computer desktop um mm. and uh, that that has a lot of 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 options in a very small space but i think probably just bringing this conversation to to us to its end i think we we all can see the benefit of controllers that do control plugins and control the various uh, controls. And I think it's a bigger P. It, it, I think I probably speaking, hopefully speaking on behalf of all of us, that the big shout out really to both DAW and plugin brands is get your mapping right. Yeah. amen <laughs> um now that may be a challenge because the problem is you've got one control surface that has a row you know a block of four knobs and another one you have a block of three knobs it's probably going to be a major challenge but maybe we need to try and uh, get some full, sort of agreed um format we we've we managed to agree some interchange formats in the past um <laughs> And if we could, then this whole area would be so much simpler to uh, to implement f- as I mean, a we user. You kind of sort of have Huey. Yeah, but again, but it's only kind of sorta. <laughs> yeah, but it's the mapping of the the problem we've all been talking about is the mapping of the of the controls on a plugin. Yeah, you know, not being accru- you know, so one EQ back se- segment is across two pages, or sometimes I found in the early days of Pro Tools, you know, that one control will be four pages away for some reason, mm. Um, mm. and that is something that, uh, from my understanding, is a lot of that has to do with the way that the software developers actually do these lookup tables on the plugins. But I think we've also identified that. The DAW manufacturers. I mean, you were talking about some of the limitations of Logic. I've been talking about some of the limitations of uh, Pro Tools. So that's and this whole area to make this work properly, um, we definitely need some work um, from both the DAW manufacturers as well as the plugin developers. Yeah. Okay, so let's move
1: along. James, we've got one or two competitions this month. We have indeed. It's a busy month for competitions and giveaways with no fewer than four, that's one, two, three, four, <laughs> in October from Leapwing, Krotos, Slate and Townsend Labs. Download and remix five times Grammy Award winning producer Cassidy Turbin's track, Spell of Love, for a chance to win a Townsend Labs L22 microphone system. We all know how good that is. Oh, Worth yes. over £1,300 in their Halloween giveaway. To celebrate the launch, of their EDM pack, Slate Digital are giving away an ML1 virtual microphone system and a one year subscription to their All Access Pass, the AAA Pass, worth over $1,000. Leapwing Audio are offering three chances to win their plugins worth over 700 UK pounds, including Dyne One, Centre One, Stage One, and the new Root One. And our friends at Krotos are giving away their Sound Design Bundle 2, which includes Reformer Pro, Dehumanizer. I so should have said that in a dehumanized voice. <laughs> there's, there's a queue. Um, version two. Igniter full. The igniter full tank worth over 1,842 pounds. This is all going to one lucky winner. Check these out on our win page for more details. The Pro Tools Expert podcast is created using Source Connect now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com.
0: If you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you will know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be, even on a good day. It isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser. No software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast article. Okay, let's move on to our find of the week, and these are sponsored by RSPE
2: Audio Solutions. RSPE Audio is up and running remotely. Their team is set up and working from the safety of their homes, and their sales staff are available by phone, live chat, or email to receive and process orders. They have everything you need to build or upgrade your home studio and ensure you can continue to work from home. If there's anything they can do for you, please don't hesitate to reach out or shop online at rspeaudio.com. Plus, of course, the link, as always, is in the podcast notes.
0: Okay, so uh,
1: James, what's your find of the week? Um, this was more of a uh, started off as a find of the find of the week. Whoa, um, I, as I have admitted several times, have an ever-increasing microphone collection. No. No. Um, (laughs) But I was finding that I was reaching for the same old mics time after time. I'm thinking, hang on, I've got 162 microphones. Oh, my (laughs) God. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I'm doing an orchestral job. Well, I think I'm doing an orchestral job in a couple of weeks. And I thought, hang on, how am I going to cart this lot about? Because a lot of them are in their own kind of... um, the manufacturer's cardboard box, box. Yeah. yeah manufacturer's box so that there'll be a cardboard box with a sleeve over the top and then inside that will be a mic wrapped in bubble and then there'll be the shock mount again wrapped in bubble in another separate cardboard box and if you can imagine doing I'm not going to say all 100 are in boxes like this but certainly there's a number of my microphones that come in boxes like this and I've kept them in them because that's how you keep mics tidy and neat and lovely right but it's it's very um it's not very conducive to getting mics out and trying them and using them and just, you know, using them on a day-to-day basis. So I thought There's got to be, there has got to be another way, and there always is. And I found um, a particular plastic kind of tough case, an ABS tough case, on Amazon that is used by a large number of microphone manufacturers. They buy this particular case and then have the, the foam and everything built out to their own specs. But it comes with that kind of generic, kind of squared... Nearly um, cut out. Yeah, semi-cut <laughs> out um, f- soft foam. And I've bought six of them. Well, and how many mics can you fit in each one? Uh, depending on the mics, I have got five in one, seven in another. or um, Nearly all my small diaphragm pencil condensers fit in one of them, and that's 12. Um they're brilliant, absolutely brilliant. They are they are the cases used by several well-known microphone brands, and they're fifty-five quid on Amazon. The link is down there. Um, well, I suspect looking at depending it now, on where but... you are in the yeah. world, they'll they'll ship them from wherever they are. But yeah. this particular one is is a UK-based company, and they're brilliant. They're rock solid. I've got I've got now. 10 of them in total for cameras Mm. and for other bits and pieces and other hardware. They're not just for microphones, they're for Mm. anything. So if you've got guitar pedals that are just sort of gathering dust, and of course, this is the main thing, it stops stuff gathering dust, but it makes it very easily accessible. I've got some of those really nice, proper um, flight case labels, you know, the plastic ones where it gives you the production name and you can write everything that's in them on there. A bit of tape on the edge by the handle, which tells you, you know, which number it is, so you can look and see what, what the contents of each one is. Yeah, so it's simple. They're not the cheapest thing on Earth. Um, but I they, used to have loads of those. But they like the Peli
0: cases, which were not, uh, are not cheap. They are very no. good, but they are not cheap. But it looks like a Peli case in everything but name.
1: Everything but the name Pelican on it. Um, they are very, very good. They've, they've got the whole kind of... Um, uh, what's it called air seal system yep. so the air can get out but not in and they're really really good so i've got 10 of them now which as you can imagine at 55 quid a pop yeah but, but it but also stands for my it's protecting a huge investment it's 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 my it's my my 20% rule yeah the case and the stand should be no less than 20% of the value of the item mm-hmm. okay. because you know if you've got a thousand pound microphone it makes sense to put it in a decent case yeah absolutely
2: Great. Eli, what's your finder this week? I came across this interesting service website this week called Musiversal. And what it is, it, you know, we're all familiar with Fiverr, you know, where you can hire a musician to play a track on your line for, uh, yeah. on your song rather, for 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 bucks, whatever. This thing is you get unlimited access to session musicians. You pay a monthly fee. I think it's a hundred dollars U S now that sounds like a lot at first, but when you think about it, unlimited access to session musicians. So if you're a songwriter, you know, I'm thinking even if you do one song a month, I mean, it's worth it. You know, they have drummers, bass players, guitarists, keyboard players, a singer, um, I think a, a cello player. Um, But, you know, to to have sort of access to live musicians to work on your tracks like this. And as I say, if you're a songwriter and, you know, it doesn't have to be finished songs say you're just developing ideas. You know, if you have this monthly subscription thing, you just can get them to put parts down as you're developing your ideas. And I think it's a fantastic resource potentially for a lot of people to have this kind of access to session musicians. Why are you laughing? It's a subscription, presumably. Um, well, it's a monthly service, yeah, but, uh, I mean, you can cancel it any time. But mm. you know instead of paying fifty bucks or one hundred bucks for one person for one track, you have a hundred dollars. And you can get as many as you need. So, I mean, yeah, if you're going to write one song every six months, it's not worth it, obviously. But, um, you know, and you can stop and start it when you need. But if you're someone who's a songwriter and, you know, that's part of your regular thing, you're, you're writing songs and tracking and, and adding live musicians onto your tracks, I think it's great. Now, couple of caveats. One, like first thing when I saw this, I thought, great. Trumpets, saxophones, trombones going to have, you know, live brass. Yeah. They don't seem to have that. It's a new service. I don't think they have those instruments yet. And the second thing is, you know, how are the musicians getting compensated for this? Cause you know, you want to feel good about, you know, about how you're, mm. you know, the people at the other end of the receiving end of this. And apparently they're on a salary. They're, they're paid a monthly salary they They have to be on call, I think three and a half hours a day and uh, up to three and a half hours a day, and, they, and they're on a monthly salary, which I, I think it, If, you know, if they're used all three and a half hours every day, it doesn't work out that great. But the idea is that for, for the players, you know, you can earn a decent amount of money just, you know, by, by being employed by this company. So I don't think they're too exploitative of the musicians on the other end, which, you know, Mm. I, I think is important. So anyway, I think it's an interesting service, an interesting alternative to something like Fiverr. Great. Right. What about you Mike, what's your find of the week? Uh so um anybody who uses headphones a lot
0: realizes that uh, sooner or later the ear pads start to disintegrate one way or another. And I've got uh, some Sony 7509 7506s and it's been it's been on my list for a while um because at the moment when somebody wears them when they take them off they've got black dandruff bits. bits yes <laughs> <laughs>
1: um
0: and so uh yeah what I, I was just looking at ebay i thought oh there we go and almost without looking very carefully uh, realized that the same supplier had the right ones for the 7509s and the right ones for the 7506s so clicked on well, it Well, that's handy <laughs> and they weren't silly money i mean it was like three quid for each pair of pads and it was like okay i'm do this it wasn't until i'd actually done the deed that i realized that actually i'd broken one of my ebay rules which is i never buy stuff direct from china or whatever oh, yeah. you know um but th- what threw me slightly i thought well no, it can't be from china because the delivery date was less than a week so i think how uh, anyway i thought well we'll see it's not a huge amount of money if it all goes pear-shaped but sure enough, they delivered within the delivery window. Um, and uh, they are now uh, gracing my uh, Sony headphones and very, very pleased indeed. So uh, we'll put some uh, links in the uh, podcast article notes uh, for all of these products so you can take a look at them for yourselves. So on that note, uh, it's time to say goodbye from me. It's good night from me
2: and good night from me. Goodbye.